This morning's scripture is comprised of three single verses. One from the Hebrew Bible prophet Isaiah, another from the Gospel of Luke, a very familiar passage or phrase to you or verse to you, and then the last one is the very first verse of the Gospel of John. And it refers to the word, and in print, the word is capitalized, and it means Jesus. These three single verses. From the prophet Isaiah, God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I will be with you. And from the Gospel of Luke, The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And from the Gospel of John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This ends our readings from the Hebrew Bible and the Gospels of Luke and John. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. So imagine, say, three or four kids joined in arms, racing around a flagpole. That's how David Brooks's New Year's Day reflection began a few years ago. And he said that kids join a chain, a tight chain, and hold fast to each other. The one closest to the flagpole holds on to it, and they race around. And they try to go faster and faster, and they hold tighter and tighter to each other. But finally, finally you reach a speed at which, no matter how hard you try to hold together, you're pulled apart. Two forces in tension the desire to remain close, and the the forces that try to pull them apart. Jonathan Haidt, who is a um, sociologist from New York University, said that is essentially what is happening in our nation. And I want you to consider just for a moment how the forces that attempt to pull us apart as a nation or as communities, those forces are growing stronger. About 25 years ago, 25 years ago, only 15% of Democrats or Republicans, which is like one-sixth, 15% of Democrats and Republicans had a highly unfavorable opinion of the other group. 25 years later, that number ranges between 50 to 60%. 50 to 60% have a highly unfavorable opinion of the other. I'm just going to tell you this, a 300% increase in distrust in a quarter of a century in a nation is scary. Those forces that wish to pull us apart hold potential to make our nation difficult to live in, to pull our communities, and yes, I suppose even our churches apart, and to do so in ways that many of us have never experienced before. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it feels, it feels like we as a community of faith are holding together rather well. But it's always important then to consider how we might consider to, 
continue to hold together, but also to strengthen the bonds that bind us. I guess the question is, how are we to do, how are we to be the church in a world where those forces are growing stronger? And I think it's a really important question to ask on our 136th annual meeting, the first one taking place in 1887. And I guess the question is, how are we to hold tightly enough to each other so that forces that wish to divide us will not overwhelm the strength that we need to hold on to each other, to minister to one another in Christ's name and to minister with the world? I guess another way to ask it is, how might we be both diverse in thought, but fiercely united in Christ? So where's the good news? Well, the good news, I think, might come to us in a really good word. A word that Samuel Wells suggests might be, might be the most important word in the Bible. So I'll come to that word in a moment, but before I do, let me suggest to you a word that isn't what holds us together. And the word that doesn't hold us together is the word for. I mean, make no mistake, I understand that when we care about other people who are having a tough time, we want to do something for them, right? I mean, it's part of our life together. We do something for each other. Are you sick with the flu? What can I do for you? I make a great chicken soup. For, however, is not going to be the word that holds us together in difficult times. Because there's a shadow side to the word for. For instance, no one, no one wants someone to say, I'll speak for you. And few people wish to be spoken for. So for is not the word God calls us to claim as a church. Instead, God gives us another word, a word that unified all three of the verses that I read for you. And again, Samuel Wells says, perhaps the most important word in the Bible. And it's the word with. With. As much as we may want to do things for those in need, God calls us to be with people in need or distress. And by doing so, we come to know them rather than simply doing things for them. We are called to be with people in grief or sadness or loss. We're called to be with them even when there's nothing we can do for them to make it better. On Christmas Eve, the scripture is read, you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. With a modest preposition, yet this is the word that really does lie at the heart of being and doing church together. And I think it lies at the heart of that because with, if you think about it, is the most fundamental description of God's nature. God desires to be with us, not doing things for us. I mean, even Jesus concludes his ministry in the Gospel of Matthew. The last words are, Behold, I am with you always. So perhaps this modest preposition 
is the word that will indeed hold a nation, a community, a church, and, and maybe even children spinning around a flagpole together. Because it is a word that describes the heart of God and God's nature and purpose. I think that's what our destiny in our walk with God might look like. But I also want you to know that here's a cautionary note. The word with is much more difficult to live into than for. We can do something for someone without ever speaking to them, without any connection, without a genuine shaping of our own lives. But if you do something with another person, you are intentionally weaving your lives together. Think about with looking something like this. I saw it in the paper a couple of years ago, and it was on a Southwest flight that was, and the flight attendant was speaking to a plane full of passengers who had been stuck on the tarmac for something like an hour and a half. And everyone, of course, was getting increasingly annoyed and frustrated by the minute. And the flight attendant took the microphone and some who were there said that her voice was halting a bit. But she said, I know you're frustrated, and I know you want to get to your destination. I understand that. And you also know there's no food on this flight. So it says she hesitated, but then proceeded. Will any passenger with a bag of peanuts be willing to share their peanuts with the person across the aisle? Anybody with some candy and gum, will you spare a little with the person next to you? And then she added, and the grandma, with the proud pictures of her grandchildren, would you be willing to share the pictures with your seatmate? And within minutes, frustration and anger began to die down. People began to speak with each other and not to or for each other. Even laughter, they said, began to emerge. Maybe, maybe that's why it's glorious, almost incredible good news that God didn't settle on for us, but God settled on Emmanuel, God with us. The most important word in the Bible is the most important word in our life together, with. God with us. God accompanies us. God delights with us. God suffers and abides with us. In times of trouble or in times of doubt, when things are going perfectly and wonderfully, or when things are falling apart, God is with us, always. And that is what will hold us together as a family of faith. Amen.